I said, well, hell, I got it going on then. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Reload Podcast. My name is Kyle Boone, and it is Thursday. Um, it is Thursday of bye week for Oklahoma State, so we are um, we're enjoying some some time off and uh, recharging, just like Oklahoma State needs to. Uh, we're coming off a loss. Kansas State thoroughly thumped Oklahoma State in Manhattan. Jackson Lavarnway and I were there to see it firsthand, and it was absolutely disgusting. Um, <laughs> On the other line is Dustin Ragusa, who who I believe is laughing through the, through yeah. the tears. And, uh, <laughs> it and was then, disgusting. And then we've also got uh, Marshall Scott with us. Marshall, you still there? I'm still here. Okay, we are planning to uh, get through this podcast without uh, Marshall dying, so that that it would be a successful <laughs> podcast today if we can get through there. Marshall, I had Chinese tonight, not Mexican, so we'll see. Let's go. Let's go. So um, before we get to the podcast, let's hear a word from our sponsor, and then we've got a lot to discuss, just football-related uh, news, uh, speculation, and uh, what to expect kind of on the second half of the season. Uh, you may have heard the news that there's a new tax bill in town, but do you know how it affects you? Angel, Johnson, and Blasting Game, they do. Their firm of 10 CPAs and 22 total employees is one of the largest in central Oklahoma, and they've been hard at work calculating how these changes will affect hardworking cowboys just like Marshall and Dustin. Feel free to give Cameron or Evan a call at 405-224-6363 or visit their website at ajb-cpas.com. Again, that's 405-224-6363. So, uh, Marshall, Oklahoma State went to Manhattan off of a loss to Iowa State, looked thoroughly uninterested not only in the game but in in winning. They just looked disheartened. Uh, they they went down early and never really recovered. What happened? What happened against Kansas State? I, I've if if someone didn't watch the game, how would you explain the strange, confusing, uh, inexplicable loss? Um, yeah, I'd probably just start by saying OSU is not as good as <laughs> maybe they were week three. Yeah. I guess that's how I would explain it to somebody. Uh, how it happened, I guess that's the million-dollar question. Yeah. Um, people will throw the blame everywhere. The Iowa State game, you could blame the offense, even though they scored 42 points. This game, you could definitely blame the offense scoring 12 points. So offensively there are a lot of questions to be had but yeah i'm not quite sure what happened marshall um yeah that's a good that's a good point regu you looked at kind of the film and did kind of a look back on what went wrong the small things that went right what is your kind of like expert x's and o's diagnosis on why osu just flat out got beat yeah, so I didn't actually get to watch a whole lot of the game live, so yeah. I was watching it, like you said, on uh, on film, so doing yeah. a lot of rewinding and pausing and stuff like that. So I was able to kind of really, especially the offense, break it down. But honestly, it was just weird. It seemed like, you know, they had some drives where they got some stuff going. They had the, they had the Tylen Wallace pick penalty. 
They had the holding penalty when Justice Hill converted a third third and long on a run. And both of those drives, they literally drove basically the entire way down the field. Yeah. And looked great. And, you know, we're using some passing concepts we haven't seen. We saw passes out to Chuba. We saw some short some short routes. Um those short routes were open all game. Um, but you know, Cornelius or Yursich or a combo of both decide to go deep. And I, I guess when you got a guy that can make contested catches like Tylen Wallace, it's not the worst idea ever. But I, you know, I'd prefer to just dink and dunk down the field and get some points on the board, especially when uh, when you're kind of struggling. But overall, it just seemed like they went away from stuff that was working at times. Uh, you know, I think Hill, King, and Hubbard combined for like 15 or 16 carries. You'd like to see that a lot higher. I mean, those three guys can combine for 30, and I'd be fine with it. And, you know, it just it just looked boring on the offensive end. It, yeah. it wasn't very creative. Um when they got creative, they never went back to it, and uh, it just—it just seemed like they kind of puzzle pieced their offensive game plan together, and the pieces weren't really fitting. Yeah, I and you actually said something that's kind of interesting was that OSU moved the ball pretty well. They just weren't able to capitalize on some of those opportunities. Uh, I talked to Justice after the game because I went to Manhattan and just kind of asked a general question like, "What did what did Kansas State?" Do that made it so hard for them to move the ball and he said nothing like we feel like we moved the ball pretty well it was just they couldn't put it in the end zone and they they couldn't get out of their own way tylen wallace had a really awkward like borderline crazy uh pass interference call that was it pass interference is that right yeah i mean yeah, i mean it, it wasn't but right yes, that's what that's, that's what they, they called. called yeah and and gun it that ended up negating a touchdown um gundy was really not happy with that after the game and and said that it was a bad call um th- they had a really unfortunate turnover in the end zone where tylen could have come down with the touchdown instead um kansas state makes an incredible interception in the end zone and and it turns into a touchback so there's that's at least two scores where it could have at least been a lot closer. They could have been closer to 30 points rather than uh, 12 points. So there was a lot of like maybe what if during that game, but still for the most part, watching it unfold uh, was, was really, I don't know. It was kind of mind boggling because we've seen Oklahoma state before get down by two touchdowns or get back, get down by three touchdowns. And then you see that that's kind of when Oklahoma State kicks it into gear. You saw uh, Mason Rudolph do that time and time again at Oklahoma State where they fall down three touchdowns to, to Iowa State at home and end up coming back to win, and, and it's exciting. They they get termed the, the cardiac cowboys and uh, all is well as lo- so long as they get the win. But this team just doesn't – they don't have the juice. The defense looked – tired Gundy said that Kansas State just flat out wore him out towards the end of the game uh the offense had had no creativity everything that they did seems like was kind of just shelved as as soon as something worked they just went to something else and uh it was it's almost like watching them try to put a square in a round hole it's like it I don't know if they know that Cornelius is the quarterback and not Mason Rudolph type stuff. Like they're trying to throw deep, it's not working, and they're not playing to his strengths. So I don't know. I don't know where they go from here. But Cornelius wasn't great. He had um, 
an overall very below average today. Um, and I think it's kind of clear, like the offense just kind of is what it is at this point. It seemed like Kansas State really figured him out in that game. Um, so I, I table this to you, Marshall. Do you think that um, last week was a one-off? Because a week ago, I was thinking Cornelius was good enough that OSU could win games. Now, I I think it's probably time you at least try something new. But do you think it's time that, that Oklahoma State considers a quarterback change? They have a bye week this week in Texas uh, for homecoming next week. Uh, yeah, I definitely think it's uh, would be beneficial for them to change. I'm not sure if this week would be the week or you wait a week that way the last four games, you know, to get that red shirt in. Right. I think it would be a little dumb to blow a red shirt on five games instead of like four, like to have either Spencer Sanders or Drew Brown play five games. I think that at that point you just like, you messed up both ways. You didn't start him from the beginning of the year, and then you're just going to blow his red shirt right at the end. So I think it is time for a change. I don't know. I would like to see one of – preferably Spencer Sanders, I think. I Again, I haven't seen either of them play. So who really knows who's better, who's worse. But I would like to see Spencer Sanders in for the homecoming game. But then I still don't think you start him throughout the rest of the year just because I don't think it would be beneficial – to use them for five games and then lose a season with them. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Regu, what's your take on that? Do you think they need to make a change, or uh, should they just ride this ride this thing out and try and make some, some fine-tuned adjustments in the bye week and see if Corndog can uh, revive their season in the second half of the season? I, I don't think they're going to unless Cornelius goes out and throws like six interceptions against Texas and then five against Baylor. But I think that they should. I think that they should. And I, I agree with Marshall. I, I think if you can and you're going to play Sanders, who, that's who I'd prefer to play. Yeah. Not Again, you know, not seeing a lot of film on Sanders from high school, just his highlight tapes and actually watching some of Drew Brown's Hawaii games. I just kind of – I guess it's because of the unknown – but the I, I'm actually fine also burning the red shirt if if it means just getting like if Gundy if Gundy puts Spencer Sanders in against Texas yeah that means he feels like we have a chance to win with him out there and he's gonna gain even more experience I know it's only one game more but it's against a pretty good defense in Texas who does a lot of disguising runs that tight front uh, three three down linemen so. You know, I'm fine either way, but yes, to answer your question, I, I think they should put a do, new quarterback in, and I, I think it should be Spencer Sanders. I think you gotta, you gotta have some kind of spark to this offense, and I think a, I think a new quarterback is one way to try that, and probably the best way to try that. It's probably not the only fix. Uh, a lot of things need to be fixed, but I definitely, I definitely want to see something there, and I just really want to see Spencer Sanders out there and see what he can do now. If Gundy truly believes that this offensive line and, I guess, skill around him, which I, I can't agree with that, that part with the skill, but isn't good enough for Sanders to succeed, then I guess just keep playing Cornelius. But I personally would like to see Sanders out there. Yeah, it, it the whole thing feels like not only OSU just kind of throwing its hands up and saying, well, we did what we did, and, and this is fine. This is just kind of who we are. But it feels like Gundy's doing that too, where like 
I talked about how weird it was to watch in Manhattan, like Kansas State just totally rolling over Oklahoma State, but OSU just had no answers. Like, if you're Mike Gundy and you're getting paid $5 million a year to operate a football program, it feels like, I don't want to say ineptitude, but I feel like he is just not not exercising all of his options, not trying to see if Drew Brown could give you a spark, not trying to see if Spencer Sanders could give you a spark, is not doing your job. Like, how do you not, how do you not at least, obviously the offense was, was not working at all, um, but you have one of the best quarterback signees in, in program history. I don't know if he'll be one of the best quarterbacks ever, but certainly one of the most hyped in program history sitting on your bench and not only sitting on your bench, sitting on your bench as a third stringer and no, no real plan in sight on when to bring him in and the chance that uh, he he's awesome. Like 2014 and Mason Rudolph um, we've lived that out. Like we saw how Rudolph revitalized that OSU team that was really dead in the water and he's lived this out and still just is totally, at least on the surface ruling out any, any chance that, right now that there's any change at at quarterback situation and at reps so uh marshall you are at practice this week and and gundy kind of had something to say about kind of doubling down on on cornelius what did what did gundy have to say and um and do you buy that uh they're they're not making making a change this bye week um yeah so he he was simply asked like have reps changed in practice gundy said no yeah but I think even if reps did change, I don't think Gundy was going to, you know, make a blog post about it. You know, I, <laughs> I so would read that'd be tight blog, know. by the way. That would be tight. He's, you know, he said that things haven't changed. I guess that's what you have to believe right now. But one way or the other, I don't think he was going to tell you. So yeah. I think that was kind of like just a dead end that you had to go check, but turns out, hey, it's a dead end. So I... I don't know what to make of that. It could be, it could very well be there haven't been any changes. And at the same time, you could also say that there aren't any changes just to, you know, dissuade strategy from Texas. Um, thinking that something other than Cornelius is going to come at them. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? Regu? Yeah, I, I agree with Marshall. There's no way he would say if they had changed, but I almost believe him. I I think he's so pro corn, and obviously you're going to support your quarterback, but I feel like Gundy kind of goes over the top. I know he said he played a bad game finally after K State, or you know made some comments like that. But I I thought he played average, slightly below average, a couple other times this season, and Gundy was you know riding behind him. So I I don't think they've changed. Like I said, I think they could change possibly later in the season. Um, but I, I think for this Texas game, I don't think they've they've changed. Um, but it's just kind of just going back to talking about if playing Spencer Sanders. One thing that's crazy to me, and you guys might not agree, but if if they want to just throw the ball down the field and they're not going to go for these shorter routes, the crossers, the slants, the outs, uh, the post corner type stuff, the intermediate, why not put a guy like Brown or Sanders back there who – even if their arm is not quite as strong as Cornelius, at least they're dropping back with a chance to scramble if nothing opens up. And if you're going to run four verts and send everybody down the field, that gives them some room 
to run it. I, I'm not saying I want to run the NCAA 2014, send all your guys to Hail Mary and run it with a fast quarterback sure. offense. But but it just doesn't make any sense to me if either change the offense to fit Cornelius' style more or or switch quarterbacks to someone who's a, more mobile. I mean, obviously Sanders and Brown are a lot more agile and – Cornelius is a good runner, but these guys are definitely faster and quicker than him. So it just kind of blows my mind. Sorry to go off topic a little bit there, but no, I, I just uh, I just kind of wanted to get that out there. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um, let's hear a word from our sponsor, and then I I kind of have a take on that as well. Uh, you guys may have heard the news that there's a new tax bill, uh, but do you know how it affects you? Angel Johnston and Blasting Game they do. They have a firm of ten CPAs and 22 total employees. It's one of the largest in central Oklahoma. And they've been hard at work all summer, all fall, calculating how these changes will affect hardworking cowboys just like yourself. So feel free to give Cameron or Evan a call at 405-224-6363 or visit their website ajb-cpas.com. The phone number there, again, is 405-224-6363. Six three. So I, 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 full disclosure. This week I've been in Florida uh, for work. I have not kept up with the quarterback melodrama. Um, I I checked my PF Boone Twitter the other day and my phone was hot to the touch because there are some takes out there that are very very strong about the quarterback situation. Uh, people are outright pleading for Spencer Sanders to start, which I don't fully disagree with um but at this point i feel like gundy's just trolling all of us like gundy says that you know that the reps haven't changed at quarterback that cornelius is still getting the brunt of of the first team reps i just i don't buy that i feel like after what happened at kansas state osu's offense was was not good everyone saw that they didn't go back into the film room, watch the tape, and say, "You know what? We're we're okay. We just, you know, we got to make some adjustments. We got to figure some stuff out." Cornelius, you just, you just do you. You keep doing you, and and we'll be fine. Like, I I I just don't buy that that Spencer or Drew Brown isn't getting more looks. And if I'm Gundy, I think this is a really good opportunity for him to kind of set the set the table for the rest of the season and say, "Hey." you know what, we're just going to ride with Cornelius and that's what we're going to present to the public. In the meantime, we've got a week of bye week where we don't have a game and we're going to try and make some adjustments. Spencer, you're going to get some first team reps. Drew, you're going to get some first team reps and we're just going to kind of bring you along a little bit quicker than we expected because Cornelius isn't getting the job done. Now I still think Cornelius probably starts against Texas, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a leash like as short as Clint Shelf that if he makes a mistake early in the game, they just at least try something else because Texas defense is legit. Um, and if if they fall behind two scores, that I mean that could be really really hard to come back from. But um, well, Kyle, do you yeah. mind if I cut you off real quick? Yeah, do I want to ask it. you yeah. if if you do think that leash is short against Texas, and I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. Do you do you think they throw a true freshman in there against Texas's defense if they pull him out, or do you think it's got to be Brown if they switch it in the Texas game? 
I think if they make a change at all, like during a game, it'll be Spencer. Okay. I I just, I mean, you look at the depth chart. Drew Drew Brown's still number two on the depth chart, but if you're making a change, you're probably gonna start, or you're you're gonna at least try your true freshman quarterback. That's that'd yeah, be my, it. that that'd be the way I go. And again, kind of going back to setting the table and and. Uh, Mike Gundy trying to just downplay expectations. I think that would be the perfect way to show um, without, without a better phrase, like to show everyone that he still has some cojones and just say, Hey, you know what? You guys have been trashing me all week. You think that I'm just loyal to a fault with, with Cornelius. And here I am. I'm bringing in my, my Gatorade player of the year. I'm bringing in my true freshman. Everyone wants him here he is like let's see if he can go i think it all depends on like where gundy stands on the rest of the team though like the defense is going to be as bad as it was against kansas state and against iowa state i don't know that that oshu really has a fighting chance but texas is the offense is not good like sam ellinger is not the second coming of colt mccoy so i'll be curious to kind of see kind of how the the rest of that plays out but I, I do think that that the table is set perfectly for Gundy to kind of just show all his cards and say, all right, here we go. Let's see if we can turn things around in the second half. Do you guys think I'm maybe being a little, a little overdramatic about how that could play out, or do you think that that's a realistic thing that could happen against Texas? I think you have to at least shoot for it. You know, you can't just allow this this season to die. There's a bull streak going on. I'm not sure how – even if the streak wasn't a thing, you have to want to make a bowl game at least in your in your season. The schedule isn't very favorable from here on out, but Baylor is a winnable game, and TCU is looking more and more winnable by the week. That's the last game of the year. So I think you have to at least try something new if what you got is not working. And for the past few games, what you've got hasn't been working. Yeah. I mean, if OSU doesn't go to a bowl this year, it has five five games left on the schedule. Um, and based off the NCAA's new redshirt rule, like Spencer Sanders could play in up to four games without burning his redshirt. So that's why I think that it's at least possible that they save him, they table him, they just trot out Cornelius for, for Texas and say, all right, well, we'll just we'll roll the dice starting against Baylor. And then it's 2014 all over again. Um, so handicapping, like kind of looking ahead towards the rest of the season, I want to get you guys like thoughts just on which games are winnable. They, they're at four wins right now. You, uh, Marshall, you mentioned the bowl streak. Let's go through these one by one and see if, if Oshie's going to win any of these games because their, their schedule is so backloaded. It makes it, Honestly, it makes it really difficult to see OSU getting two six wins to become bowl eligible. Um, Ragu, I want to go with you, and we'll just we'll just kind of go line by line. Uh, Texas is next. Do you think Do you think they win the Texas game? I don't think so. I think that Texas D is too good. Even yeah. if even with the injuries that Texas has on offense right now, I mean they've got the they've got a little bit of time to heal up and. I just after seeing how our offense has played against teams like Kansas State and Texas Tech, 
who aren't some of the more premier defenses in the league, it's like, is there any way we're going to even be able to score, especially with the offense we had last season? And what did we put up? Like 10 points, 13 points or something? 13. Yeah, I think it was 13. Yeah, because so, yeah, we won 13 to 10. Yeah, so I'm just a little worried about that. Gundy does own Texas, so that's good. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't think we have any shot there. Yeah. I, I, think, the, I think our only two – Winnable ones are the same two that Marshall pointed out, and they're both on the road. Yeah, which we obviously been playing better on the road than at home. But weird Baylor and TCU. I mean, I mean Baylor just because I I still don't really think. I, even though they've turned it around a little bit this season, I mean that one win turns it around from last season. So um, I still don't think they're that great. And then TCU hasn't been able to score. And I don't think their defense is as good as it has been in recent years. So I think we could possibly pull that out. But, you know, I, those are still both tough games. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we won three or lost them all. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's probably right. Uh, Marshall, what do you think? Texas, Texas is going to be a dub or an L? I'd give it a 75% chance of L. Oh, gosh. Okay. And going back to you, Marshall, uh, at Baylor is the next game. That's a win or a loss? I'll go 55% chance of a win at Baylor. Okay. And Ragu? I'll go I'll go 70 with uh, Spencer Sanders at quarterback. Oh, I like that. Okay. Uh, probably not the same odds for this next game. At OU is the next game. What do you got, Marshall? I'm going to go 90% L. Wow. Okay, that's not great. Maybe, maybe more. Maybe more. Raku, what do you got? Yeah, I was gonna say zero percent win or hundred percent L, but I'll get. I'll say I'll go one percent ninety nine. You know, maybe it's like the uh, the twenty fourteen season. So you're telling me there's a chance. I like that. <laughs> uh, West Virginia game, Ragu. That's the second to the last game of the regular season. Man, there's just so much unknown, like with the quarterback switch and everything. I know it's really just guessing, but I'll say I'll say thirty percent we win that one. Yeah, uh, Marshall, what you got? I think they haven't done the best job at defending any kind of decent passing game this season. So I think West Virginia's like eighty-five percent chance of a loss of winning of eighty-five percent chance West Virginia wins. Yes. Okay. I agree. I agree. And TCU is the last one. What you got, Marshall? I'll go 45% chance of a victory for LSU. Wow. I like that. All right, Regu? I'm going to go 50-50. Split. Pick them. 50-50. I like that. Okay. Um, I think I think they only win one more game the rest of the season at Baylor. I, I think this team is like is is fine, but they're just they just haven't been competitive. And maybe it's like Maybe they're low-key lobbying for Spencer and they're going to start playing hard, but there was, like, zero effort uh, against Kansas State. And I don't know if there's, like, some turmoil going on behind the scenes uh, with this team that, you know, maybe they don't like the new defensive coordinator or maybe they think the play calling is stupid or they don't they don't like that they don't practice enough. I mean, I'm just, like, making this stuff up. But I think there's some real concern that, that this team has kind of mailed it in. And that is like totally bizarre to watch because Oklahoma State under Gundy has been a really fiery team. They always play smart. They always play harder. 
Uh, they're always more disciplined, and like none of that has been true this season in in its losses. I just i I think they don't. I think the bull streak ends this year. I, th- I think they're they're bad enough that I'm I'm not seeing anything that suggests anything else is going to happen. Um, last question for you, and then we'll talk about some some news from from Thursday. Uh, has Gundy managed the quarterback situation and the season? to your expectations Marshall to my expectations is an interesting uh, part of that question but <laughs> I will say that I don't think he's managed it very well I think it's I think he's been a little stubborn thus far and surprise surprise Gundy be stubborn but I don't think he's managed it well I think that there comes a point where you just got to admit hey I I did this incorrectly. Let's fix it. That way the season isn't just blown out of the water. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Ragu, what you think? Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's done a great job of managing it. However, you know, I, I was saying leave Cornelius in until recently as well. So can't really be too much of a hypocrite there, but as far as expectations go, no, I mean, he's not met them at all. I thought we were going to, have a pretty solid season and it's looking like we might not make a bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, what happens if OSU beats Texas? Like what happens if Cornelius is like totally awesome throws for four touchdowns, zero interceptions, 300 yards and just, and just generally looks the part like what, what happens then? I mean, like we're just kind of like stuck between a rock and a hard spot. Does, does OSU, just keep riding him. Do they think that they made enough adjustments or do we see Spencer at all? Like I have no idea what to expect from this game this coming week, not this weekend, but next weekend. If, if Cornelius plays really well and they beat Texas, I mean, I don't think there's any way they take him out. What are the odds of that happening? (sighs) Slim. I, I just I can't I can't see it happening after what I've what I've seen in the recent weeks and I'm not saying all the recent games he's played bad, but Kansas State was really bad and he's not improving. Not at and, all. And, yeah. and the the flaws that he had like his pre snap reads and stuff, he he's not improving at all. He hasn't improved at all in any of that throughout the season. So when you go up against a defense that's great at disguising like West Virginia or that's just solid like Texas. He's going to struggle. I, I mean, I would be really shocked if he had a great game. Yeah. Well, the the biggest thing that concerned me off the off the field, I guess, from Kansas State was I was sitting in the press box in, in Manhattan, and Spencer Sanders' mom tweets, give my son a chance. And I don't know. I, I listened to the PFB podcast today, and Haston kind of mentioned this, and I, I kind of glossed over it like, Oh yeah, of course. Like her, the 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 mother wants her son to to play on the field. Like duh, but there's something to be said for a mother's influence. And if she's not happy, ain't nobody happy. You know what I mean? Like, what happens if she's like, all right, well, you know what, Clemson uh, has a pretty good opportunity. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is there, but uh, they, you know, in 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 a year after you redshirt he'll pretty much be preparing for the NFL draft and you could start right away. Or what happens if Alabama calls and they say, hey, Tua is going to the NFL draft in, in, a, in a season and a half. Let's just go ahead and get you on campus and get you enrolled and, and you can be the guy after him. Like, 
Is is there something to be concerned that uh, that Spencer's not happy and he could leave? I hope not. I I would I don't even almost know with how free agency college football is at this point. Yeah, it wouldn't be the most surprising. Marshall, you like. I think you might have had a borderline meltdown that just now, like inaudible noise, like choking on a stage. I wasn't sure if the question was my question, <laughs> if it was Ragu's question. So that was where the audible noise came from. My palms are sweaty thinking about that potentially happening. Like, I don't think I'm really in, emotionally invested in Oklahoma State. Like, if if someone calls me a fan of OSU, I'd be like, okay, that's like kind of fair. But I haven't actually been a fan as much as I've been like working and covering OSU for like three years, but I would like legit be really upset if Spencer Sanders left. So uh, yeah, just even pondering that possibility, I, it makes me think like how quickly can we get Spencer Sanders on the field? Like, can we get him <laughs> to play wide receiver? Can we get him to play like tight end? Just give him a role. Um, but then he's a true freshman. Like he's not leaving. I don't, I don't, I don't think anyway, but I would, um, yeah, I would probably have a conniption if that were to happen because, uh, Spencer Sanders is going to win the Heisman in 2020 and I, I'm all the way here for it. Uh, yeah, if, I have a lot of stock if, in that. If he transfers, I'm, I'm out like on sports probably <laughs> forever. Well, you got LSU still. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'll root for them, but I'll be out on Oklahoma State. <laughs> we just we just lost a writer on the podcast. This is that, awful. That's uh, that's on record now. <laughs> Audio record would not be good. It would not. It would not be good at all. Um, so how does this how does this play out? Like, what happens? I know we're kind of kind of going a little too hypothetical here, but if uh, Cornelius plays the rest of the season. What happens with Drew Brown and what happens with Spencer Sanders? Like, does Drew Brown leave? Because he could technically leave again this offseason and again become a graduate transfer and again go somewhere else where he thinks he's got a better shot at playing. Um, would he Would he kind of re-up or stay with OSU knowing that, at least for now, the plan is to bring along Spencer Sanders to be the guy, like, at least – at the at the latest next year, but potentially earlier. I, I, I think Drew Brown know. really got the uh, short end of the stick by not getting. I would I wouldn't don't want to say a look, but not getting an opportunity to play earlier this season. Because yeah. I think if it goes to next season, I feel like it's Spencer's job, just because that's the that's the future right there. I don't know that you'd want to restart with another senior who's only going to be here for a season when a guy at at least similar skill level could play the next four. So I think that Drew not getting a earlier chance has really dampened any chances he's had at like maybe ever getting on the field at OSU. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that? Regu? You think he'll leave? I'm just confused what the initial conversation was with him coming to Stillwater. You know, uh, like, hey, come here and we're going to sit you and then you can redshirt and then you got to battle with our four-star Mr. Texas football, who's definitely the future of our program, 
for the job the next year. Like, how is that appealing at all for anybody? That's I'm just truly really yeah. confused. That's for sure so, not how that conversation went, probably. Yeah, so now now I'm kind of like, I don't really know what Drew Brown's mindset is. I could definitely, I wouldn't be surprised if he transferred. Yeah. But I also, it's also like, you know, maybe, Maybe he's maybe he thinks he can beat Spencer out for the job, and that's what they talked about when he initially came. You know, hey, you're going to sit this year, and then you're going to start the next year over, uh, or you're going to battle for Sanders, and he wants that challenge. But I, I don't see why he would. I, if I was him, I would probably if they're going to redshirt me this year, I'd probably transfer again. Yeah, the problem is that that Drew was was so late to arrive to campus it just threw everything off like i think the the ncaa he was waiting on some sort of paperwork was supposed to arrive like fairly early either in like early august or even the month before and ended up arriving like two weeks before camp and it just totally shot maybe everyone's plans maybe gundy's plan all along was uh, to give him a shot to start, and then Cornelius is going to be back up, and then by the time you know midseason comes around, Spencer Sanders is ready, and they start him. And now you've got Cornelius, who's the starter starting the season, and and maybe Drew Brown just never really had time to grasp the offense, grasp all the concepts, and then your your kind of your whole plan is shot. I do wonder if that plays a factor. I'm sure it played some sort of role in kind of how things have played out. But I, I wonder if we're maybe potentially understating just how big, a, how big a role the NCAA ended up playing in OSU season, just kind of um, in, coincidentally, like, I don't, I don't know if, um, you know, maybe if Drew arrives August 1st, maybe, maybe things are totally different. Maybe uh, Drew Baker Mayfield Brown is, is starting <laughs> games uh, in Stillwater and, and we're looking at, uh, an undefeated season going into to homecoming. It's it's all it's all hypothetical. But as uh, as someone who covers OSU, as as uh, someone who who obviously has a rooting interest in OSU, I I do think it's interesting to consider. Um, some news today, Marshall they released the 2019 football schedule. Uh, so I actually ranked one through twelve the toughest two easiest games on the schedule uh ou number one at texas number two at iowa state number three uh at west virginia number four did you disagree with my rankings and uh and where would you kind of put that out i think uh Texas could honestly argue for the top spot just given the turnover that could happen in Norman next year. It's not yeah. a crazy amount. They still have a nice class coming in, but not going to have um, Kyler Murray, not going to have Rodney Anderson, even though they don't right now. So I think Texas could fight for that one spot, mm-hmm. but I think it's a fair list. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the biggest, I guess, news of of that schedule release is Bedlam is back to being the final game of the season. I don't know if I love that or I hate that, but I think it says a lot probably about OSU's fall that I think the Big 12 kind of purposely moved Bedlam to kind of a mid-season event, like OU is in two weeks. And uh, the goal there is obviously to prevent OU and OSU from playing a rematch in the Big 12 title game. Maybe, maybe 2019 
Big Twelve isn't too confident that that OSU is going to be good. I don't. What do you make of that, Regu? Yeah, I mean that that's a good take. That that might be what it is. I like the game at the end. I, that would suck if that ever happened where it was back to back like that. Yeah. But I do like it at the end of the season, kind of build up to the Bedlam game. Um, but I hate it. I went to uh, 2013 Bedlam. I believe it was, and I believe it was the last game of the season. I believe I almost lost three toes, and I watched OSU just totally blow it, and it was freezing. It was, I'm pretty sure it was the last game of the season. I will never be able to stomach a final uh, regular season finale Bedlam game. Like, that's just, <laughs> I'm sure people who are at that game feel the same way. I just, I can't do it. I don't know. OSU just I I don't have any confidence in OSU like anytime after like November 14th I'm just kind of out well they get Kansas after November 14th in 2019 yeah they'll for sure lose that game (laughs) (laughs) and I was telling you guys off the pod but uh the three non-con opponents Oregon State McNeese State and Tulsa yeah so far this season have combined for zero FBS wins now McNeese State is an FCS school, so they've only played one FBS team, but still, Oregon State and Tulsa have zero wins against FBS schools, and McNeese State lost their only one to BYU. Who's the worst team of that trio? Oregon I was State, trying to McNeese, think of that earlier. Tulsa. I've watched Tulsa a few times this year. Like They've been up. They've been up on Texas. They've been up on... Yeah, they played Texas well. Yeah, they were up uh, last week. I don't remember who they played, but... Ended up losing. They were up on Houston. Ended up South Florida. Yes, yeah, they were up on South Florida, which is like a pretty good team. And Blake Barnett, the quarterback who signed with Alabama out of high school, ended up leading them to a comeback. I haven't seen McNeese State for obvious reasons, but Oregon State may be the worst of that bunch, which is like kind of surprising. Definitely the the biggest brand of that bunch. Oregon State has been atrocious. Their best win total since 2015. Uh, was seven wins in 2015, and they're on pace to to maybe win two games this year, which is which would match their win total from last year. So uh, that's not great. It's definitely not Boise State, a team that that wins uh, ten wins pretty consistently. So it's kind of frustrating to see OSU's non-conference schedule just kind of be blah again. But yeah, it it is what it is. There there's a, there's other kind of prominent non-conference games on the schedule though right not like not next year obviously but but moving yeah forward. arizona state yeah uh, arizona state boise yeah so herm edwards that'll be an interesting interesting matchup arizona yeah. state at least oregon state traveling there it's pretty close to portland i heard corvallis is pretty cool that'd be cool but... maybe pfb will put us up That'd be Portland's awesome, so that would be cool. Yeah, uh, Marshall, you were at Stillwater today, right? For yeah, OSU basketball media day. We'll wrap with that. But what it, did uh, Boynton have anything interesting to say? Um, I guess the most per, uh, like the most newsworthy thing, yeah. and for the time being, is Boynton is not a fan of the new G League updates. I oh, guess, really? He had a today. take. What's his not- take? Yeah, um, take is we need to start promoting education more than money. 
Okay. Especially when the money is just like a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. Uh, for those three years or however many it's going to be. So Boynton Pro Education, uh, he said that he doesn't really have like a fix to the system yet, but he's willing to like sit down with people and brainstorm about it. That's my coach. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so the G League announced today, uh, Thursday morning, that they're offering a pro path alternative to being a one-and-done player. So instead of elite high school prospects going to uh, Duke or Kentucky or Oklahoma State, as they always do, uh, they can sign with the G League and earn a $125,000 annual salary uh, before going pro. So that'd be an interesting... uh, path i'll be curious to see if if players end up taking that Hundred twenty five thousand dollars isn't isn't horrible i would i would uh i would take that but at the same time you're not getting the education that you know obviously the ncaa offers you're not getting exposure that the ncaa tournament can offer you or just generally speaking the 30 games during the season can offer you um and you're playing against grown men in the g league who are probably going to expose you in ways that 18 and 19 year old college players won't be able to. So all of those are factors that I think will be uh, interesting to follow. I'm glad Boynton had a take on it. And uh, of course it was, was really smart. He was pretty fired up about it. I asked really? a simple question. I wasn't sure how busy he was, had been today. So I just asked, I said, have you heard about, you know, the new G league system? Good question. And he went on for about seven minutes and then he got asked to follow up, and he went on another ten minutes with that. So he was, or something like that. It felt like a long time. But that's he was fantastic. pretty fired up about it. Yeah, that's fantastic, Boynton. That's my coach, my president. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we are off this week, so bye week, and uh, Texas for homecoming next weekend. So it should be fun. We'll try and do another podcast next week, but. Glad we could do another three-man weave. We will uh, try and do it again next week. Thanks for joining, fellas. Yeah, no problem. See you. See you guys.